All right, well, welcome, first of all, welcome to uh, Paranormal Watchtower. My name is Brandon Kramer. Uh, my co-host here is Raymond Wright. Uh, we are setting off a new adventure here in the paranormal field. Uh, you can... We're going to do a quick introduction. Again, my name is Brandon Kramer. Uh, I have been on a few shows and across multiple platforms for social media, uh, mostly known lately for TikTok uh, by Go By Real Ghost Hunter 1. I am a paranormal investigator, educator, and ex-trainer. I uh, used to train people how to start off ghost hunting. Um, I've held tours, done seminars, uh, been to many events, met, been uh, fortunate enough to meet many famous people in the paranormal field and hope to do even more. Um, that's pretty much myself. I live in Wisconsin. Any other questions? I'm sure it'll come up later, but I'm going to turn it over to Ray. Let him introduce himself. Welcome in, everybody. Thank you for that. I'm Ray. Brandon calls me Raymond, apparently. <laughs> Just today. today. On TikTok, I'm known as Nebraska Paranormal. I've been investigating about four years. Um, I just, I stick mostly to buildings and abandoned houses. I've never done a private investigation. Um, I'm really excited about this podcast. I'm glad Brandon decided to, Brandon agreed to do it with me. That's all I got. Well, you begged me long enough. <laughs> Two years. <laughs> Two years. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. All the word paranormal. It rolls off the tongue laced with intrigue and a hint of fear. But what does it truly mean? Is it simply a catch-all phrase for all the strange and unexplained, or does it hold a deeper significance? Tonight, we embark on a journey to crack open the very meaning of para and normal. We delve into the definition, meaning something beyond the normal, defying scientific explanation. But is that all? Is the paranormal truly outside our realm of understanding, or are we simply lacking the tools to comprehend it? Think about it. Flickering lights in the dead of night, whispers in the darkness, chilling premonitions that send shivers down your spine. Are these mere glitches in the matrix, or do they represent something beyond our ordinary senses, ending at a hidden dimension? Tonight we begin our journey into the paranormal here on the Paranormal Watchtower podcast. But remember, this journey isn't just about spooky thrills. It's about questioning, exploring, and pushing the boundaries of our understanding. It's about peering into the unknown, not with fear, but with curiosity and open mind. So are you ready to go beyond the normal? Then buckle up, grab your metaphorical flashlight, and get ready to have your mind, well, maybe not blown, but definitely stretched, challenged, and perhaps even a little tickled by the bizarre and the unexplained. And with that, we begin our descent into the extraordinary. What strange encounters will we uncover tonight? Stay tuned to find out. First segment will be on the history of paranormal investigation devices. Yes. Yes. Now, I don't know how much Ray has, re how much you've researched, but. A little bit. I, I actually came up with some stuff that I didn't know. And even surprised myself with some of this stuff. So 
if I haven't come across it, chances are a lot of people haven't come across it. Um, now, everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but most people know about the tools used today. They know about um, such things as K2 meters, digital recorders, cameras, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what they don't realize is what people may have done and what they did do before all these things were invented. Now, ghost hunting, from what I've discovered, doesn't go back all that far. Paranormal investigating, same thing. Um, you can date seances and stuff like that back hundreds of years. Even the uh, Ouija board wasn't invented, but what, 1886 was when the Ouija board was first discovered. It wasn't even put into press until 1890, and that's when it became the Ouija board. One thing I did come across that I thought was very interesting was the word Ouija. You know, is it Ouija? Is it Ouija? Here's what I found out. Tell us. According to the internet, which we all know never lies, depending on where you live is the correct pronunciation. For instance, if you live in the UK, it gives me two examples, UK and US. In the UK, it is Ouija is the correct term for it. So it's Ouija board. The United States, it's pronounced Ouija by definition. Yeah. So I guess they're both correct. I like I, Ouija. <laughs> it, Ouija is funner to say and easier. Right. I think most people would agree. You call it, what do you call it? Ouija. 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 Well, by the spelling, it should be like Ouija. Uh, Oija or Oiji. 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 Let's get out the org. <laughs> Want to get out the or the Oiji board. Oiji board. <laughs> Come on, let's let's play Oiji. <laughs> Glad we're not on TikTok right now. We'd both right. <laughs> Oiji. Did you find something that be considered like the oldest device used? I'm going to guess the dowsing rod. Um, surprisingly enough, I didn't dabble too much into dowsing rods. Take a guess when you think the first when dowsing rods were invented. Take a, take a wild guess. I'm going to go with the 14-1500. You're very close, but you got to pick one. Let's go with the 1400. All right. 1556. That's at 1556. That's at 2% psychic, right? So, let me let me read this little paragraph here that I have that I found interesting about because I don't care about dowsing <laughs> my opinion is yeah you know what my opinion is if not I'll tell you in a minute it says dowsing rods what are dowsing rods dowsing rods are rods or sticks traditionally shaped in an L uh, used to find anything from water jewels dead bodies and to communicate and find to communicate with and find ghosts the word dowsing means a technique for searching for underground water, minerals, and anything invisible. Um, serving the motion of the pointer. Traditionally a forked stick, which is how it started off. Uh, now often paired with bent wires. 
changes in direction of a pendulum also used in the same way, uh, supposedly in response to an unseen influence. Your rods will react to the energy in the environment and the energy you're giving off. So it even says right there, you're giving off, the energy you're giving off. So to me, that that's a big red flag right there. It even says how to use the dowsing rod. Yeah, hold one, uh, hold one in each hand and take a deep breath. The best way to start is by asking permission, may I start dowsing? I've never heard anyone say that in my entire life. No. May I start dowsing? No, no, that was a thing. And then asking questions you know the answers to. Get accustomed to how the rods feel and how they move and respond to the questions. Then go find some ghosts. Oh. So, that's what it says about dowsing rods. That's all I care to talk about, dowsing rods. Well, hold, uh, hold not on. a big fan. Hold on now. Huh? Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on, he says. Oh, we got to. Now, let me ask you rod. this. Like, let's say I built something that you could put dowsing rods on. I'm sure there's already something like it out there where your hand's not touching it. It's not affected by any type of movement from a person. Mm hmm. You think? Then it would, it would, it would probably be different. You know, it'd probably be different. Um, I did see an episode, and I hate to bring up your your hero, but um, Zach Bagans did that same exact experiment. He put it on a tripod. Did he get anything with it? Of course he did. He got this. I, to be honest, I don't remember. I don't remember. But I know he set it up on some sort of tripod, and whether he got movement or not, you'd have to watch the episode. We'll see. But would you trust a dowsing rod at that point if it's set up like that? If it was set up like that, I'd be more likely to give it a chance. You know what I mean? But just like any other tool, it all depends on what else is going on, you know? Do they have doors open? You know, is there some sort of vacuum wind through there? I think I'd have to be there to really believe it, to see it with my... Right. Absolutely. Because you could have floor vibration. All sorts of things could come into effect. Um, and it also depends on who's trying to prove it. You know what I mean? Because, you know, the person's personality and reputation is going to back that up. Either nothing, not much, or completely. All right. So what's the next device you got for us? Okay. So let's see. Next up, we got EMF detectors. First, take a guess when you think the first EMF detector was invented. Um, around the time of Abraham Lincoln's assassination. Oh, okay. Now, now you're gonna. Now I'm supposed to know like when that was, right? 1863. I don't remember. Oh man, you are close. Surprisingly close, actually. What was it? Uh, 1881. First EMF detector. Now, for those of you who don't know what an EMF detector is, they're most often used to find uh, faults in electrical wiring or power lines. That's what they were first used for. It says here that uh, EMF radar will find moving electrical charges and magnetic fields created by said charges. So, pretty uh, simple. Right. But it says here the cool thing is it doesn't pick up the Earth's magnetic field. So that's what sets up the difference between that and what I'll be talking about later uh, as a little surprise info that I found out just today. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, actually, I might as well bring it up. Guess what the first EMF, actually before, well, I shouldn't say before, but after that, people were using an everyday tool as an EMF detector. It might be a little surprising to you. It was to me. An everyday tool. Yeah, not an, well, not so much every day, but maybe 20 years ago, it was every day. 30, 40, 50 years ago. If you were traveling, for sure. That's a big hint. That don't help me. I would have gone with the radio. No, that is one of the things on the list, though. Flashlight? I don't think. No. It's actually a compass. Yeah, I did see that. That was one of the old. Yeah. Old things they used was a compass. Yeah, they it actually says that they first people uh they used it to just like an EMF detector today because it's this does the same thing. It's like a K2. It detects electromagnetic field, which to me is genius. Yeah. Um it, it even goes I I found an article where it says they they actually used the compass to find haunted locations. And what they did was they would walk around, walk in town or whatever, and they would set on a heading, and anytime it flickered to one direction or one way or another, they would turn, and they would go that direction. I read some stuff on the compass, and like it surprises me that you don't see that being used. Like I've got two compasses sitting in my bedroom. Never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to definitely have to try that out. Try that out for sure. I'd probably trust that better than an EMF detector, honestly. Magnetic wave aren't it, supposed, or magnetic fields aren't supposed to move north to south like that. It almost sounds more fun. It does to use a compass. You know, I mean, the only time I've heard about compasses going crazy is like the Bermuda Triangle, right, where it's spinning around. Just you imagine that on an investigation, you look down your compass just. That would probably scare the hell out of yeah, me. What do you do at that point? Right. That one would be hard for me to explain away. I'll have to be like, well, I was in a vortex and mirrors, optical illusions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're definitely going to have to try that out. It sounds fun. It sounds kind of like, what's that other, that what's that app that would take you to haunted places or whatever? Oh, do you remember? Or with an R. Rand. Uh, Rando not Randonautica or Rando Randonautic something it like that. It always took me out. cornfields. Corn. Well, imagine that living where you live, finding a cornfield. Well, that's pretty tough. Right. I hated that app just because of that. It never took me anywhere cool. Cornfields at night are terrifying. I was gonna try it live on TikTok a few years ago, but uh, every time I went out, I'd lose signal and wouldn't get Wi-Fi, so that put an end to that. Randonautica. That's what it's called. Anyhow, um, but uh, there's a lot of info on talking boards, um, like the Ouija that we were just talking about earlier. Um, again, it's correct either way you say it, Ouija or Ouija. So don't come at me for saying Ouija. I read the spirit boards were actually separate from Ouija board. Spirit boards were what were okay spirit boards to me in my opinion are simply talking boards that 
aren't made by the Ouija Corporation. <laughs> the Ouija Corporation. I like that. The Ouija. That's actually what it is. <laughs> oh, really? That's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. The, the, the Ouija was born in 1886 in Chestertown, Maryland. And named in 1890 in Baltimore, where it was first manufactured. What is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that New England coast, man, from the witches to Ouija boards, like it's just full of paranormal up there, apparently. Yeah. Um, it says here that since Ouija's inception, newspapers even reported on its use as a way to communicate with the dead. Predict and cool to predict catastrophes and solve mysteries, even commit crime. Very interesting. How's the Ouija board going to commit a crime? That's a great question. That's a great question. You have the answer. <laughs> no, that I don't. I mean, we could, I mean, you'd have to use your imagination. I'm sure we'd be able to come up with something. I, mean, I could see somebody using the board as a crime, but. Well, well, you know, you can cheat and just be like, Ouija, what are the lucky numbers? What are the lottery numbers? This oh, I mean, if if you play with the Ouija board and haven't tried to get the lottery numbers, I don't know what you're doing. <clears throat> right. Um, now, uh, this is what another thing about the Ouija board that I found interesting. Uh, it says the popular belief that the word Ouija or Ouija comes from the French or German words for yes. Uh, but that is a misconception. Um, in fact, the name was given from a word that was spelled out on the board when a medium Helen Peters Nos Nosworthy, Helen Peters Nosworthy, asked the board to name itself. Oh, so it gave itself that name? It gave itself that name. Um... And then when asked what the word meant, it responded with good luck. <laughs> okay. So are we summoning demons every time we say the word? Hey, you never know. You never know. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. But to me, that that whole good luck is basically a, a warning. You know, like That's uh, how I take it. like uh yeah, I I don't take it as an actual, you know, blessing. Good luck. No, it's like yeah, good luck now, sucker. You know? Man, I hope it's the people in the UK that are pronouncing it right, not us, then. That's the case. Right. Like, I try not to summon too many demons to my place. You, you try not try to? Try not to. I didn't know Ouija would summon demons, so... I've been tossing that word around for years. I think it only summons them if you want it to. But that's just I'll take me. That, then. I've still never used one. My wife owns. Well, I've. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Katie owns one here. She has one here at the house. I've never. I have. Over a dozen. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple. I got a couple. I don't even know if she's ever used it. I should ask her sometime. Um, I've only used it a handful of times, and I have a bunch of them. Um. And to be honest with you, I've never really had anything impressive come through it. Uh, the last time I actually used the Ouija board was back at Ferrar when I was when you were there. That was the first uh, time we were... I've ever actually seen people use a Ouija board. 
Oh, really? Person, in person. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we all know what happened there. Not a lot of nothing, you know? Not a, not a, not a. Not a, not a, not a. I was very disappointed in the seance and in the Ouija board, I will say. Yeah, well, this, I, I really enjoyed the seance, but it was awfully short. It seemed awfully short. But now we're talking about stuff that just we personally experienced and nobody listening knows what we're talking about. But we'll talk about that more in a future episode, I'm sure. I'll just cut it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, would you be interested in the Ouija timeline? Uh, what I have here is it says back in 1890, ooh, ooh, Elijah Bond and Charles Kenner began manufacturing the Ouija board in Baltimore after reportedly holding a seance with Helen Peters, who I mentioned earlier. A year later, William Flood buys the rights to the game and records a patent. So they didn't have a patent on it for the first year, which is understandable, right? Yep. Uh, I never knew it was patented. The Folds. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Fluids? Floods, Fold, Fold brother, Isaac, back, uh, so 10 years after that, uh, in 1901, uh, he has his license revoked by, oh, get, get revoked by Ouija Novelty, which is the name of the company. Oh. Ouija Novelty. He tries to keep making the game, but it's blocked by a judge. Then 15 years later, 14 years later, uh, Pearl Curran claims to have made contact with 17, 17th century author whom she names Patience Worth. She begins publishing and writing work about it. Uh, then five years later, all the way up to 1920, after 19-year court battle, courts declare only William can manufacture the boards. Isaac is ordered to pay court costs. So it, there's a whole big battle drama controversy with who's in control of the board up until recently if if my memory suits me uh correctly i believe it is still warner brothers who owns the rights right now i have no idea no i bet it made some good money back in them days though well, I mean, they made them, and they made so many different styles. You know, they made so many. They're still making styles today of different Ouija boards. Um, so they're still banking on it. But funny, I've I've gone to so many, like, uh, St. Vincent de Paul's and never, and, and what's the other one? Uh, Goodwill, you know? I've never seen a Ouija board at either one of them. I don't think. Never. I've never the first one you said, but I've been to Goodwill. There ain't done there. No, I've never. I've always looked because they got tons of board games. But I mean, they have everything from. They even changed the name in 2010. I just mentioned the other night. Uh, they made a weed jaboard with pot leaves all over it. Weed jaboard. That one. Right. And you got that one <laughs> and that they, talks to Jesus or something. I do. I do. I have the, uh, what is it called? Um, the Holy Spirit Board, which is said to only communicate 
with our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you, have you tried it? <laughs> I have not tried it. I have not tried it. And I mean, because, yeah, it would suck if you got nothing. But how scary would it be if you did get something? Right. Like, that would be more terrifying. Like, oh. Uh, <laughs> you know. No, you better just leave that one in the box. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, they, the original Ouija boards had, had four swastikas on it. What? Yeah. 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 Here, let me see if I can put it up here. Oh, nope. Not with the, not with the green screen. I can't. But anyways, you can Google 1800s, it. The swastika didn't mean the same. Was the... No, it, it did not mean... It was didn't mean anything. It didn't have anything to do with Nazis or anything like that. Yeah, I forget what the actual swastika stands for, but I know it's not Nazis. I don't remember what it meant. Yeah, there, there's a lot of drama with that whole Ouija thing. Everybody claims to be the original inventor. Right. But nobody is actually given the title, which is a little odd, but hey. They even they used to call them good night boards too. The good night board. Just because good nights on there, or goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> I I guess. Oh. I guess they were they some made some out of iron. Ladies and gentlemen, do not Ouija board before you go to bed. They made you know how they make them round now. They make them round. Yeah, they make kind of roundish ones, and. uh they actually made it out of uh, what looks like all oh, cast iron. They made some out of cast iron back in the day. The only ones I've ever seen are just the plain old board-looking thing with the plastic planchette. Yeah, that's mostly what they are. They're just cardboard nowadays. Uh, Katie's is probably from the 80s, so hers might be actual cardboard, like good cardboard. I don't know. I should open it sometime and look at it. So Elijah Bond is the most credited. Um, as a matter of fact, I believe it's Elijah Bond uh, that when he passed away, that he has a giant Ouija board on his tombstone. I think I've seen a picture of that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it says. I think it's on the back of his headstone. Um, and then in the front, it says who he is and, you know, the normal dates and whatnot. But <laughs> I, I know I was pretty damn shocked when they came up with the pink Ouija board for kids. What? You've never seen the pink Ouija board? Oh yeah, they made it. 2008, Warner Brothers or uh, Parker Brothers came out with it for kids. In yep, it came out in uh, let's see, 2008 in Hasbro. Oh, Parker Brothers Hasbro. Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Up there on the New England coast again. What y'all doing up in New England? Yeah, it's pink. Even the, the planchette is, it's almost heart-shaped with pink plastic. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. What else you got for us? Well, I got all sorts of stuff. Let's see. I got a dog that's whining outside my door. Oh, no. 
Um, well, we could we can talk about the current ghost hunting equipment and a little bit of the history on that, if that suits you, if that tickles you fancy. Do you know who Gary Golka is? Yeah, he's actually the creator of the Spirit Box. And? Uh, I imagine uh, several other things, I'm guessing. The Rimpod? Oh, sure. And? The Melmeter. Oh. Yeah, the Melmeter. I know I know about the Melmeter. I saw the episode. He made it for his daughter, Melanie. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, why he got into making this stuff. Yeah, he lost his daughter. I believe it was in a car accident, wasn't it? 2000. Lost his daughter. Was she? Go ahead, tell me. 2004. What Melissa was her name. Oh, four. Because I know if I, my memory is correct, the Melmeter is, it's like a, it's the date of her birth and the date of her death. So it's like a, when was, does it say when she was born? Because that'll tell us that, because it's oh, something 04 is the model number of the Melmeter. 8604? 8704. Okay. And that's the actual model number of the Melmeter. And if you, those of you who are listening who haven't seen this episode, it's probably one of my favorite episodes of Ghost Adventures, uh, where they go and they celebrate it, celebrate her on her birthday. They bring her a birthday cake and some of the message messages that, that come through um, while they're doing it are pretty amazing, actually. They said they caught it on the spirit box. Hi, Daddy. I love you. That's right. Yes. Yes. He's claiming he's made over 30 different devices. That's crazy. Yeah, sounds about right, you know. Well, if you think of all the new equipment popping out almost daily, you know, every week I hear about something new. I'd like to get my hands on the new SB7, but it's still like almost $300. SB7? Yeah, the new. $300. New SB7. Oh, the new one. What's the new one do? Is that what the ANC? I don't think so. I'd have to pull it up. Um, it, it is like 279 I think, when I look. Well, I got... Well, I don't think it has ANC on it, though. I'm trying to think. I think the SB7, if I remember correctly, came out in 2009. I'm pretty sure on that. In 2009, the SB7 came out, and then it wasn't until uh, 2013 when they upgraded it to the PSB11, which is my personal favorite spirit box. Now, keep in mind, folks, there's there were a lot of boxes before the PSB7 and the PSB11. Uh, um, most of them were, you know, there was what was it a uh, George box or a Tom box or something like that. And then you had uh, Radio Shack hack boxes. You know? What's those that? were some of the best. Like, those are expensive, too, to get nowadays. Um, and those of you who don't know the difference, what they did was they had the SP7, and that was like, to, to paranormal investigators, that was a wow factor. For everybody when that came out, that changed the game, you know, that gave the spirits a voice that they never had before. 
you know, spirit boxes were the in thing. They were the hottest thing out there. So they sold so many of them. And then just four years later, they decided because the only complaint they were getting was that they were quiet and it was hard to hear it. So they had a very, yeah, they had a very slow scan rate to the SB7. So the SB11 they came out with was picture. It's about, I would call it probably four times the size, but it's still a handheld device. But it's about, it's basically two SB7s put together to uh, plus an amplifier, and it has a faster rate of scanning on it as well. So it scans faster. It's got two channels, and it's and it's louder. Wait, I mean, what's that? Way louder. Yeah, I like louder. the fact you can turn off the antennas on. Yes. Um, if you, those of you who are listening, who might be like, hey, what is a spirit box? A spirit box, if you, in layman's terms, is basically a fast scanning radio autom- that automatically shuffles through the radio frequencies, kind of like, a, almost like a machine gun fire. And it, that is said that spirits can speak through. I believe full-heartedly that that is what's happening, but there's a lot of skeptics out there saying it's just radio. So try it out for yourself and find out. I mean, it is just big fan of the SP 11, but when you're going at 300 milliseconds, 150 milliseconds, like that's not long enough to get a word out. Maybe one word out right. of a sentence. And I've heard, I've heard some crazy sentences on the spirit boxes. Like, if it's telling me five or six words all in a row that all make sense in the same voice, like, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, you know it's something talking to you. I mean, there's no guarantee as to but something is talking to us. I think, for me, the biggest difference between, like, using that and using the app is, like, the voice changes on the spirit box. Like, if it's a male, it's a male. If it's a female, it's a female. Whereas you're using Ghost Tube Necrophon, it's always the same voice. It's always, it's, you know, the same six voices that are seem robotic almost. So I agree with that. Um, let's see. Here's an interesting little something <clears throat> that I'd like to read real quick. Go for it. I think you'll find this interesting, right? Um, it's about science and spirits. Okay, you know, because there's a big controversy between paranormal and science. And everybody seems to think that science was out there to prove paranormal wrong. But what most people don't realize is a lot of scientists out there are using science to prove that spirits exist. That's cool. Which is super. And it says here, for the modern ghost hunter, it may seem like science is the antithesis to spirits, and many people believe that science is exclusively used to discredit theories of the paranormal. However, for nearly a century, the rise of science has accompanied, was accompanied by a widespread belief in spiritualism. Many scientists actually sought out to create technologies that would, improve the, that would prove the existence of ghosts and even allow for better communication. So, <clears throat> I thought that was... Real interesting. Um, I mean, science is just the pursuit of truth. 
the pursuit of knowledge. I don't get to people that are like, oh, science disproves the paranormal because you can't disprove paranormal. You can disprove some devices. Oh, sure. <clears throat> actually, to try to say there are no spirits is just asinine, in my opinion. Like, there's no way to possibly know. Sure, we can't prove but you can't disprove them. A lot of the stuff used today is just like things. It's just like an improved version of what they used to use back in the day for all sorts of things. It's like an improvement, and they put a little twist on it to make it for hunting ghosts, you know, like the Tesla coil, you know. I mean, people use it today. I have a, a Tesla gun that I can shoot off into the air said to build the electricity in the room, which in turn helps feed spirits strength and give them an opportunity to speak or to manifest or whatever they choose to do. I've seen uh, EMF motors, I guess you'd call them. I'm not sure what you'd call them. Oh, the, uh, you're, you're talking about um, uh, EM pumps. There we go. EM pumps. EMF pumps, which just look like little race car motors inside a box. Well, technically, I think they are just called our, uh, EM pumps because it's just an electromagnetic pump. I think people should today who are doing paranormal investigations might want to try to go back to the old ways just to try it. Especially that, that compass. Um, you know, the old no equipment, old raps and bells way of doing things you know you've got you know this you sit in a quiet room and you can ask yes and no questions you know you just ask yes and no questions and then you ask for a tap you know once for yes twice for no and that's basically what they call rap and bells raps and bells so it's a very it's actually scarier than anything today you know, you hear noises in the room you're in or the building you're in. That can be terrifying to somebody who's never done it or only, you know, a few times. That can Nothing be, scares me more than footsteps. Especially oh, when they're oh. walking at you and there's nothing. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. I should be a legal ghost. Right? Right. That probably bothers me more than disembodied voices. Like, oh, I can't see. Boy, those disembodied voices are something, though, aren't they? They're amazing. The, the first time I ever heard one just blew my mind. Like, my mind was trying to wrap itself around it. There's no possible explanation. Out in the middle of nowhere, nobody around me, and heard a voice, a woman's voice. It's just. Didn't we hear a baby cry for our? You know, yeah, we all went different ways looking for it. Yeah. It's weird how we all heard it come from a different direction. Nope. That's part of what made me believe it was definitely that. Yeah, it definitely sounded below us. I think we all took off to the floors below us, but you guys went one way and a couple of us went the other way. And I think we heard it when we were going down the stairs on our side. Sound like a little kid <laughs> playing, like laughing, crying, some high-pitched noise. But you could tell it was definitely a child. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That was I thought it was pretty active. I was very happy with how that turned out. That whole weekend was pretty cool. It was fun. I would definitely go back to Ferrars. I've told everybody. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm, I probably shouldn't mention, but I'm still trying to get that special guest to show up. That would be awesome. Well, let's see. Um, they were talking about cameras being used in the old days. Um, back in the early 19th century, um, as soon as the they made it a point to note that as soon as the camera was invented, people started using it to try to find ghosts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's just amazing. What like, year, that's what they go to. What year is that photograph of the lady on the, the staircase? Oh, the... Uh, that had to be. Is that the... Are you talking about, what is it, the Phillips staircase ghost? Or no, that's you're talking about the single lady coming. Yeah, she's like, coming right at you down the stairs. She's kind of off, going off to the side. She's got like both her hands on the railing. She's very blurry. I don't remember if they called it like the brown lady. It's a super famous picture. You can see. I'm, I'm probably very familiar with it, but I have no idea what year it was taken offhand. That is, it's old. I don't know what year. I should have looked it up, but it's old. And then the guy sitting in the back of the car at his own funeral. I'm sure everybody's seen that one. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Um, it says that it was, it pretty much took over the whole paranormal field when the camera came out, too. It was like the, the spirit box for us. You know, I, the camera was a game changer. I could see that. Like the video camera probably changed a lot for like the Warrens. When you go from still photos to video. I still want to go to that Warren's Museum. Bad. Oh, oh. still want to go. I know I don't I know it's not open anymore, but I thought her somebody opened it again or some nephew or Oh, who knows? It's that's another thing I have to look into. I think I I think I know some people that I can reach out to to find out. Find out for me. I'd really like to Yeah. Bag it. I'll do that. I'll do that. Oh, does um, Zach Baggins ever take his museum on tour? Not that I know of. No. Um, I'll go Vegas. Oh, man. If you haven't been there, dude, Zach Baggins Museum was probably one of the most impressive things I've probably ever seen. Sure, it would be. I've, I've read his, what he's got in there, and that just seems like an amazing time, if you're into that. Oh, just even just... Uh, Jack Kevorkian's van alone is like just mind blowing. That's huge history from us that were alive in the nineties. Like right? he was always in the news. They then they put him in prison for a while. They did. I'm thinking so. He didn't care. He just kept doing it. They did. Now it's legal in a lot of states. Um, and going back to other devices that people are using they're t they're saying that people are just using a regular radio um to get they would put it on a static station for the white noise and just talk they wouldn't even scan have you tried it i have at that i have tried Did yeah. anything didn't not to mention nothing for sure nothing spectacular like i've been getting you know with the spirit box. Of course, you got to remember, I've had the spirit box since 2014, late 2014. And so I got it like 
about a year after it came out. The, or the SB11. The SB11, I'm saying. The SB11. Once I got that, I had never turned back. I've never used another spirit box other than that. Uh, that is between the 7 and the 11. Yeah. Do you so, have a compass at home? I do not have a compass, but I'm going to get one. I promise you that. You know, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Uh, well, go ahead and hook up Brandon with the compass so he can go live and hey. show us. Don't listen to him. You know what I really want for Valentine's Day. A compass. <laughs> it's all in the packaging, though, and how you get the it, You got that right. It's all in the packaging. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I know how. Uh -huh. But all this talk about paranormal equipment, I want people to think about the most important one. The most important piece of equipment for paranormal investigating is yourself. I already knew the answer, and he didn't tell me. Yourself. Yes. Yes. Trust your gut, I always say. You, you can't beat the chills that you get, the feeling of being watched. Um, your ears for listening for disembodied voices, um, et cetera, et cetera. Like my ears will start ringing and it gets so loud, I can't hear anything else. And that makes me more nervous than the whole other experience. Let, let me ask you this. Do you ever walk into a room and just know they're there? Like you just yeah. know, you, there's no question. There's no, you know, the atmosphere changes. Oh, you feel the little tingles. Mm -hmm. yeah, you can sometimes drive by a place and just be like, oh yeah, I'm not going in there. Not without well, I <laughs> I usually get the opposite. I'll drive past an old historical school or something and be like, ooh, ooh. If I had equipment, I'd go in just because, but I ain't trying to tempt stuff. Yeah. I've seen too many movies, y'all. I don't watch them anymore. So the only downside to, to that is uh, counting on your body to do it is you can't prove it to anyone. You know, there's no way to record what you feel, you know, so that's basically just um, self-benefit, you know. But if you're, but you know. if you're a skeptic, go with somebody that's done it a lot and just check it out. Like, you'll, you'll feel it too. You'll explain it away as something else, but you'll still feel it. I used to love one of the thrills for the first five, six years of investigating, one of the thrills was always walking through like a, a cold spot or getting that, uh, what do you call it? The uh, spider web feeling, like you're walking through a spider web. Uh, that was one of the highlights for, for an old creepy night for me. We almost went the whole hour with just that. That's crazy. See, I told you. I told you. <laughs> Could you imagine if we talked about that other subject you wanted to talk about? What? It'd be a four-hour process. I don't think so, because I think the, the paranormal cryptid or the cryptid of the week, five seconds. No, yeah, not that one. The one that I said oh, we shouldn't do today. Yeah, yeah. It would have gone, we'd go over. Yeah, for sure. But... Um, you wanted to talk, let's go move on to the next thing. Keep people interested. 
The next subject is the cryptid of the week. And since this is the first episode, why not go with the most famous cryptid? Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Oh, of course. Of course. Why not? Why not? And the why not? I can find Sasquatch. go with the one cryptid that's the hardest for me to believe in. Oh, I, I'm with you there. The earliest known <laughs> discovery is 1811. Like I thought it would be older than that. Obviously, there has been stories that are older than that, but the first actual documented discovery was 18 with a set of Sasquatch footprints. Footprints found in 1811. Yeah. That's how he got his name, Bigfoot. Was from the prince. Exactly. Uh, the Yeti. I probably didn't have to say that. It's pretty self-explanatory. Now, me, for something that big to just be roaming around, I can't buy it. I've heard the theory that it might be interdimensional. I can buy that a little more than I can buy it's uh, some long-lost animal that we just because whatever my wife saw was in the cornfields of Nebraska. There ain't nowhere for a Bigfoot to hide here. So what? No. I have no idea, but she said it was massive. It's pretty flat out there, isn't it? Yes. Like, you've seen it. <laughs> you should see it. When the I corn, saw a little part of it. You should see it when the corn's cut down. It's the flattest thing you'll ever see in your life. Minus. <laughs> so, anyway, Bigfoot is the cryptid of the week. I don't really get into Bigfoot much. Most of the evidence we have is blurry-ass videos and casted footprints. The hide and seek champion of the world. Right. Like, I can see how he's hiding, like around Oregon. But he's yeah. spotted everywhere. Oklahoma's got a lot of spottings. Nebraska actually has quite a few. I just can't buy that. I'm sorry. Well, has anybody ever found like Bigfoot poop? I mean, there's a guy that claimed he did. Whether he Is did, a... I don't. <laughs> you would think it would be everywhere, you know. Then. Ne the Nepal government actually issued Yeti hunting licenses in the 50s. Of course, not a single successful capture was recorded. Uh, yeah, well, you got to take that with a grain of salt because there's a country, I don't know, somewhere overseas where you can get a unicorn hunting license. I want a unicorn. You, I, you want a unicorn? <laughs> uh, so, so, that was the know. cryptid of the week. Good old big. Hey! Cryptid of the week, Bigfoot. I don't ever want to meet him unless he's got jerky. <laughs> I mean, I'm always a fool for jerky. It better be tender, too. Yeah. Slab jerky is my favorite. Y'all, if you want to send me some, slab jerky. Slab jerky? Well, I would ask what that's like, but we'll move we'll on. We'll move on. <laughs> All right. Our last subject is supernatural crime of the week. This goes back to the 1500s in Europe. A man named Peter Stump in Germany apparently was a werewolf and confessed under torture to 13 murders, no, 16 murders, 13 were children, including his own son. That's messed up. Yeah. And his torture, like the way they executed him was peeled some of his flesh off, broke some. Oh. Oh. 
and then finally decapitated him and burned him. Him, his daughter, well, and his mistress. Well, confession time. I did research it as well. Yeah, interesting. And some of his methods were just sinister, to say the least. The things that he did to his victims. Did you did should we tell him about the the pregnant ladies that he took out that he killed? He enjoyed what he did with what he did with the babies. That was just sick. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> I don't know. Like obviously more than likely a serial killer. Oh, definitely. They definitely. him as a werewolf. And the reason they did that yeah. was because he was missing a hand. And apparently somebody had chopped off the hand of a werewolf. And since the injuries were identical, that's what got him in trouble. He's the same guy who was given that werewolf belt yep. by the devil when he was 12. Yep. Yeah. And they searched yeah. for the belt so, and have not found it, thankfully. Not found it. He claimed that whenever he put this devilish belt on, that he would turn into a werewolf and then take it off and he'd go back to human. But I think I read where the police, when they finally captured him, they were chasing a wolf through the woods. There's multiple witnesses, multiple officers that say they were chasing a wolf through the woods and they cornered him. They cornered the wolf somehow in a fenced off area or something. And then when they came right up to it, there was no wolf, but that guy was there. Yeah. I mean, that's how a werewolf gets caught. Yeah, that's this is a pretty freaky story. And a matter of fact, when I did look it up, it gave me a warning. Like I had to to say that I was above eighteen just to be able to read the article wow. because of the violence of his tactics during his spree. We'll call it. He was a farmer too, wealthy farmer. Which... Yeah, well respected by the whole town, actually. Until he became a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, that's enough to ruin your reputation for sure. Like, I, I want to know where the magic belt is. I wouldn't. I would love to have that. I would. I would try it. Would you try it? Yeah. Would you try the? I belt? mean, I mean, I don't want to go out like that guy went out. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, hey, Katie, tie myself, tie me up with a chain. I and, might try, and let me put this belt on just for one time and record it. I might try that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's, yeah. I couldn't believe that story after I read it. Like, much that was pretty impressive too, because if you're under torture, you're going to confess to a lot of things. Right. Right. Maybe he only killed a few people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure if he if he admitted to 16, there was probably more. There might have been more. Yeah. It was probably more. But that is our supernatural crime of Mr. Peter Stump. Peter, Peter. Peter, Peter. Oh. Right on. Peter, Peter. Human. Human eater. Ate the brain. Human eater. Son, it says. He ate the hearts, too. He ate the hearts of the unborn baby. Guys. That's just sick. Don't be doing that. Just. Sick individual. Yeah, don't do that, guys. That's just, that's rude. That's wrong. <laughs> that's impolite. 
Well, I guess that wraps up really the first show. Um, this wraps up the Paranormal Watchtower season one, episode one. Season one, episode one. I had fun. I had a blast. I this was this was great. I look forward to the next one. I don't know what the topic is going to be just yet, but we'll probably dance around a little bit like we did with this one. So, anybody who's listening, make sure you let us know how you how you liked it. We're always open to suggestions, aren't we, Ray? I'm always open to suggestions, unless they're bad. 